I never want to get to the point where I feel like I'm an expert at anything because I think the journey, you know, towards mastery, and I use the word mastery in inverted commas, but the journey towards mastery is absolutely what the purpose of this whole thing is about. You know, I get really frustrated with myself when I'm not good at something, you know, when I don't have the physical capacity, the strength, the flexibility, the mobility, the agility, whatever it might be. I get frustrated at myself when I'm not instantly good at it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's possibly one of the biggest lessons that I've learned through this whole movement journey is that that's the point. Like the point is not to be good at things immediately. The point is not to be the best. The point is not to be successful straight away because If you are, then there is no lesson and there's no growth along the process of that. Welcome to This Thing Called Movement a podcast exploring the medium of movement and looking into how it has the capacity to transform not only our physical bodies, but potentially every other facet of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek, a movement guide here to help people find their own unique and authentic relationship to movement through creativity, curiosity, and self-expression. Join me as I dive into deep conversations with a wide variety of individuals from many different fields and backgrounds. Together, we'll gain insight into their own unique movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope these recorded conversations will inspire and empower you to find your own unique movement journey in your life, in your own way. For today's episode on this thing called movement, I've brought on Alicia Smith to be our guest here. I had the pleasure of meeting Alicia in person through Animal Flow, Advanced Flow Design this past summer, and she works as a master instructor for Animal Flow in addition to owning and operating a aerial fitness studio out in Australia, in addition to a few other businesses she oversees. And Alicia is such a vibrant and passionate and energetic little spitfire. She and I talked about a lot of things that are really close to my heart. Uh, Perhaps one of the big ones that stood out to me in our conversation is the transference of how movement allows us to really engage with our bodies and with our lives as an extension in a really deep way. And we got really granular in terms of some aspects of the very sensorial experience of movement and how that's important in a movement practice and also in life. We also discussed the importance of making movement a practice that isn't one of simply punishment and suffering, but rather one that allows for much more creativity, expression, and a sense of finding your own intuitive patterns with it and finding your own unique way of navigating the movement experience. And she and I just had so much fun this episode. We could have easily talked for several more hours. I'm sure we'll have her on again sometime soon. But I hope you guys enjoy listening into this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. So for now, just go ahead and relax, sit back, tune in, and enjoy. Why don't we start with this, Alicia? Go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience so we know who you are, what you do, and um, all the intricacies that make up Alicia Smith. 
<laughs> How long have you got? No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, that's, I find that I always find that such a tricky question to answer because I think there are so many different components to to what I do that I'm never always that sure which part to lead off with. But I, I think I'd start by saying I've been in the fitness industry for about 15 years. And within that time, I've held a range of different roles. I started as a group fitness instructor and became a person trainer, a fitness manager, looking after a team of fitness professionals, and men, then moved into the fitness education space. Mm. So um, the, the, the role I held or the biggest role that I held was over a decade, and that was as a learning and development manager for a company called Australian Fitness Network. And that role really entailed creating curriculum for our qualifications to become personal trainers, as well as looking after the program development of uh, a massive fitness conference called Phylex. Mm. And while I was doing that or while I was working with network, I also ventured into the space of presenting and writing uh, and then eventually opened an aerial arts and movement studio in Sydney with my business partner, Kalili. And that has really sort of been the, the major direction that the past four years of my life have been focusing on. And that's really about, you know, using something as creative and challenging and, you know, alternative fitness. I like that term, like alternative fitness mm-hmm. to help bring some really cool challenges and self-discovery to people of all ages from kids of five, that's the youngest we teach, right up to adults of all ages. Um, and also I'm an animal flow master instructor. Uh, so I'm really lucky to be able to get to travel around Australia and other parts of the world teaching this brilliant ground-based movement program to fitness professionals and people all over the world. Yeah, I, I know you through animal flow specifically, but one of my favorite things, um, interacting with your posts and what you share online is, is all that aerial alternative fitness stuff. It's always so fun to see what you're creating and what you're coming up with there. And if you could take us on that journey of what led you to where you are today in terms of the movements you started doing or engaging with as a child um, and what that path looked like getting you to where you are now right here today. Yeah, sure. Well, I think what's really interesting is that I was not a sporty or, you know, a sporty kid. I wasn't a dancer. I wasn't athletic. I was a complete and utter bookworm. And, you know, more often than not, the free time that I had would actually be spent laying on my bed reading books. Mm. Um, I was that kid that just, like, I would rather do that than anything else. And so I think it was quite interesting to find that the natural progression of my life led me into this, into this lifelong obsession with movement. So I discovered the fitness industry probably when I was around about 18 and I had begun just running, like doing some long distance um, events, you know, sort of half marathons and eventually moved on to a marathon and then a hundred K event and, and loved the challenge, loved the mental challenge of it, but I was just so broken. Like I just kept tearing hamstrings and I had knee pain and back pain and I was just a complete another mess. And, you know, I think I realized at a certain point that 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 kind of training combined with lifting really heavy and just doing what I thought I was supposed to do was actually not making my body any better. Mm. And I sort of got to the age of, of, I guess I was probably about 27 when I discovered aerial arts. I went and took a flying trapeze class and really just loved the feeling of being in the air. I felt completely untouchable and, you know, there's just something so exhilarating about knowing that you are completely self-reliant to keep yourself safe. And so after exploring that a little bit, I then um, went and took my first aerial silks class and just was obsessed. From that moment on, I just was taking as many classes as I could. My teacher at the time is my now business partner. And I just, I just, I couldn't get enough of it. It's just that combination of complete terrifying, she, you know, horror at being eight meters, or I don't know what that is in feet for you guys. I think probably 24 feet off the ground. Something and like that. knowing that, yeah, something like that. And knowing that the only thing between you and the ground is just your own body and your apparatus kind of, you know, keeping you up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I moved into that space and I really, I was so rigid. Like I was, I'm not a dancer. I've never been a particularly graceful mover. And I think moving into the aerial space was a way that I could use the strength that I had and the fitness that I had 
but gradually become a little bit more vulnerable to moving my body outside of, you know, sagittal and frontal plane only and start to explore rotation and fluidity and trying to be graceful. Um, and from there, I ended up um, discovering, the, you know, animal flow through, uh, through the work I was doing with Australian Fitness Network. And then that just brought an entirely different dimension to the way I move in the air, the way I move on the ground and just the way that I relate to my body in general. Yeah, well, I I've only played around with aerial work. I think my first introduction to it was actually at an intensive dance workshop I went to in Italy when I was maybe 15 years old. And they had this option that you could sign up for the evening class from 8 till 10 p.m. in addition to another eight hours of dancing during the day. And oh, I, I went into that and it, I think it was like called circus performance. And uh, I just remember being so humbled. And this is like you, it usually happened to me as a dancer. Anytime I went into a different medium to learn something new, I was always just like, oh my gosh, like I thought I was strong. I thought I was flexible. And then I get into this new space and I, I can't do anything that I thought I could do. It, it's because, you know, in dance, I think you learn a very specific type of strength, a very specific kind of control and organization with your body and moving. A lot of it's related to tempo and uh, rhythm and then like syncopation. But I also, my, my experience has been that the training I got as a dancer was actually not very well formed to um, allow my body to have a lot of coherence. So then when you like need to pull your body weight off the ground, when you're working on silks or when you're working on the Lyra or something, you need to be able to hold and like move yourself so you don't fall out of the air. Um, I actually didn't have that kind of integrated strength. And it, it was also really humbling with animal flow too, going into that space because it was the same problem. And so whether it was martial arts or or animal flow or the silks, I always, I always had that same experience of like going to these mediums being like, wow, I have so much to learn. And um, while dance is rich in its own way, I think the more we can allow ourselves to find cross sections with different things uh, out of that interest and curiosity, and because they spark a new dimension of our capacity, it, it just opens up so much more in the practices that we're already engaged with. Yeah, I, I cannot agree with that more wholeheartedly. I think, you know, the word humble that you mentioned there is such a key thing. And I don't know, I just, I never want to get to the point where I feel like I'm an expert at anything because I think the journey, the journey, you know, to, towards mastery, and I use the word mastery in inverted commas, but the journey towards mastery is absolutely what the purpose of this whole thing is about. You know, if, I get really frustrated with myself when I'm not good at something, when I'm not, you know, when I don't have the physical capacity, the strength, the flexibility, the mobility, the agility, whatever it might be, I get frustrated at myself when I'm not instantly good at it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's possibly one of the biggest lessons that I've learned through this, this whole movement journey is that that's the point. Like the point is not to be good at things immediately. The point is not to be the best. The point is not to be successful straight away because if you are, then there is no lesson and there's no growth along the process of that. Yeah. I mean, as you're talking, the first thing that's jumping out into my head is this quote from Ido Portal, which uh, I heard on an interview he did a few years ago. And he, he said, we've lost the ability to be lifelong students or, you know, to to set ourselves up with the understanding that when we engage in a practice, it's a lifelong practice and it never ends, you know, and I love what you said about this being a journey towards mastery because, you know, any master of any, any medium or field or concept will tell you that the journey never ends and that, you know, the destination isn't really the point either. It, it is about that journey itself. And I, I love that, you also engage with your own movement practice in that way. And you see it from that standpoint. I think it's something that we could do better at educating more people with, um, especially people who aren't fitness professionals. I, I think about this a lot. Like what is the industry at large doing and communicating if at the end of the day, most people believe it's about something specific versus just the process of being engaged with it? 
And that's a really important point. I think, you know, that, that, that I spend a lot of time thinking about as well, because in the space that I'm in, which, you know, for our aerial studio, I, I refer to as alternative fitness, like I mentioned before, I see so many people walk through our doors that have had a typical fitness industry experience, you know, where they've gone to, to a, maybe a big box club or a chain of some kind and they've, you know, they're paying their membership, they're walking through the doors, but then that's really as far as things go for them and they don't really, you know, they're, they're looking at exercise or fitness or movement as some form of punishment that, you know, they have to train or move their body in a certain way to look a certain way to burn off or mitigate the sins, in inverted commas, of, you know, the life that they live. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really important for me is that, starting with the kids that we're training right through to adults of all ages is that we're teaching them that movement is a privilege, like movement is a joy and you should and you you know you should want to engage with your body in as many different ways as you can because this is literally the only thing we have for our whole life, our body. That's it. That's all you have is that one that one body that you've turned up in on this earth and it's our right and our responsibility to learn how it works, to learn to love it, to nourish it with the movement that we know is going to make us strong and resilient and happy and satisfied and, and all of these incredible things. And so I think if there's any one message that I can really hope to instill in the students that are coming to our studio at Integral, it's like learn to love your body and explore it in every possible way that you can. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear you say that. It's it, it get goosebumps just hearing it because that's that's the stuff we need. And I mean, of course, you are preaching that message. I wouldn't expect anything less. But i I love what I love what you're saying about um, you know, like the privilege to be in a body. And something I play around with a lot is seeing our body as like the only relationship that is guaranteed to us and that is with us our entire lives because the second your body isn't here you're not here um and i i like that word relationship a lot because i think it's very easy to just wake up and go through your day and not even take notice and and completely take your body for granted I, especially in new york working with a lot of people who uh have more corporate type professions and um, are not necessarily connected to their body, they have this disassociation mechanism that happens where it's, you know, they're either in their brain or then they go address their body. And, and then they're confused why their body doesn't seem to be listening to them or serving them. And, and a lot of what I'm trying to communicate to these people is the fact that, well, actually your body's been communicating to you the whole time. You've been in your desk for 10 hours straight you just haven't been listening to it. It's that relationship goes both ways. Um, and just like in a partnership with a spouse or even, you know, a, a child or a, a friend, you would never anticipate that a healthy relationship would function if only one person is talking and the other person gets silenced all the time. And I see that that tends to be the way that even traditional fitness tends to spin things and it's it's kind of like all right now you're gonna like have your body listen to you and then it's gonna you're just gonna shut it up and it's gonna be fine and I love that you make that distinction using the word alternative fitness for the space you're in because I think these words hold a lot of value and while fitness may mean one thing uh, it actually means something totally different in context of how people are using it and all the associations that have built up around it, especially as the internet continues to grow and social media continues to grow. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, the key thing in that message to me is about listening, like listening to our bodies. And I think if, if there's a way that we can help to teach that, that, you know, physical literacy, not just physical literacy, but maybe it's more of a holistic literacy where people are understanding that tapping into what their body is telling them. As you say, your body's been talking the whole time. You just haven't been listening. But if we can find a way to help people tap into what is intuitively and instinctively, you know, right for them, then I think there can be a lot of power in that. Mm. I I work with or I've been studying with an organisation called PH360 and they're a company that really focuses on personalised health and epigenetics. And the key thing that I've really learned from studying with them is Every single body is absolutely unique. There, is, there are no two people that are alike 
And, you know, that that's not a surprising statement, but the reality of what that means for us in the fitness industry, in the movement industry, is that if we're still delivering the same, you know, cookie cutter programs or delivering the same nutrition advice to our clients that we, you know, that we're using for ourselves, then we're actually really borderline being negligent with them because there are no two people that will respond the same way. And you could have a, you know, let's say a randomized control study of 6,000 people and you get a response of 85% who see positive, a positive response from whatever that, that study is looking at. If you take your clients and you prescribe exercise or nutrition or regeneration strategies or timing like chronobiology to them based on the 85%, you're being negligent. You're not, you're not speaking to the person that's in front of you. And I think that if we can help our clients understand what intuitively is working for them, listen to their bodies and what their bodies are telling them, and then, you know, take practices like current science of epigenetics and, you know, work with the person that's in front of us, then we're going to help people have a, a much more satisfying and, and I don't know, I guess just a happier relationship with their bodies as well. I'm in total agreement with all of that. And I love that you come back to that word intuitive and, and the, and you're tying it in with this inherent, like, uh, uniqueness of every individual. And I think that's, that's why actually intuition becomes the most important factor when any individual addresses their health. And it's because you are a unique individual and your body and your needs are absolutely not uh, able to be replicated within any study or any other person. And then that layering gets infinitely more complex, not just like with your biology and then your environment, but also like where you are in life, how you're feeling emotionally. I mean, epigenetics itself is such a fascinating field of study where, you know, um, it's not, it's basically stating that just because you have a genetic profile doesn't mean you have a genetic destiny that the way, best way I've heard it described is uh, the way epigenetics works is it's like everybody has genes. Those are the keys on the piano, right? But which keys mm-hmm. get played is what epigenetics is. And it's sort of like the, the song that gets played out in your genetic code and then what ends up uh, finding its way through your body and through your experience. A hundred percent. And that's the coolest thing ever, right? Is like what we're born with is not our destiny. Exactly. As you said, we have, we have the choice, we have the opportunity, we have the ability to make choices that will make our bodies better and help us be resilient and healthy and free from illness and, you know, ultimately live the best lives that we possibly can. And, and really that's actually what, what our role is in the fitness and movement industries. It's, it's actually about helping people find opportunities to be better versions of themselves. So I'm curious now that we're actually on this topic, uh, how, what are some strategies you provide people with when it comes to making more intuitive decisions regarding taking care of themselves and bringing their own autonomy back into their health and well-being? I think one of the first things that's important is helping them understand that that the cookie cutter approach is not for everyone and that, you know, maybe if they kind of I don't know, maybe if they like try some different strategies, just test what's out there and don't just follow this, this, this one really narrow paradigm that we've created within the fitness industry. And I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging about the fitness industry because I love being a part of this world and I have been for such a long time and it's given me opportunities to create, uh, you know, to help create impact in people's lives. But, but, but it has been created for, the mesomorph. It's been created for the person that does really well on a paleo diet. It's been created for the person that does well with multiple meals, you know, through the day and high intensity training, but that's not who everyone is. So what I would say is ultimately it's about just identifying how you feel after various different interventions. An intervention to me just literally means like, what are you doing to and for yourself uh, that has an an outcome of some kind? So for Mm -hmm. instance, if you go for a long walk, versus if you take a dance class, versus if you lift heavy, versus if you go and do, you know, track work, how do you feel? And how do you feel in your body? How do you feel in your spirit? How do you feel in terms of the way that you recover? Are you given energy or is energy taken away? Uh, Does your body respond well in terms of being able to prevent injury or do you break down? And I think if we can just create some of those little markers within people, 
then if they can stop and identify at the end of each of those interventions how they're feeling, almost just like a little check-in, it can either be a diarized check-in or just a mental check-in, then they can start to move more towards the things that are making them feel good. Uh, I love I love using that um, yardstick of feeling as as sort of your determining factor, and I think it that's something I talk about all the time. Is like what intuition really ends up being is it's falling into the feeling of something more so than what other people or articles or an industry is telling you, because your feeling is actually your greatest marker in terms of like, are you on point with the communication in your body, your mind, like you said, even your spirit is telling you and, and to take all three of those into account because they all work together. There is no separation. So if something is supposed to be good for your body, but you really don't like being there, like there's so much out there for you to engage with that you would thrive with, you know, that you could like have a joyous experience with and get all those other benefits that you're seeking too. And I, Something somebody actually mentioned in one of the episodes I've recorded for this was the fact that the fitness industry is actually still a very young industry. And um, I thought that was a very interesting point because I I think this is a great industry. Um, It seeks to help people, but it is it's a baby in many ways and it's growing fast and it's growing kind of exponentially and it's at sometimes a little tumultuously right like like a baby learning how to walk and stand there's a lot of falling and uh you know mishaps that happen along the way but uh what I love about this podcast is I get to talk to so many people who are so rooted in their passion and drive to be beacons to help people step into the best versions of themselves and are willing to change things up and change the predetermined order in order to do that yeah that's so cool and what a privilege we have to be a part of it like this is awesome I'm so excited that I get to call all of these different roles that I inhabit my job my career you know like what an absolute joy to be able to do this kind of stuff yeah I mean one thing that I'm even thinking about as you mentioned in your journey like you were initially a bookworm and um, weren't particularly connected to your body but like what was the experience like for you switching from somebody who was maybe much more intellectual and uh, cerebrally connected to then find connection with your body? That's a really interesting question. When I was younger, I had really severe asthma. I would be in hospital all the time, you know, I was on steroid medication, like all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. And I think what I realized is that as I got older and I started to outgrow that, I I identified how much that was connected with my emotional health as well. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, 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 that kind of the exposure to movement or starting to move my body created a sense of freedom and a sense of calm that I had never experienced any other, any other time in my life. Mm. But it wasn't, it wasn't that easy. I don't know. I think I, I sort of, I just always felt so stiff and square and I needed parameters around me in order to feel safe in movement, if that makes sense. Like yeah. not being a dancer, not coming from a, a background where I'd be comfortable just standing up and just moving freely or dancing, like that just was never the person that I that I I was at the start of this. And I think that's probably been the biggest realisation for me is that movement can for a lot of people equal a lack of safety like movement can be fearful at first and learning to inhabit your body in a way that you genuinely don't care what people think of you or where you you feel safe in the physical expression and the creative expression that comes with movement is um, you know that's a process it's not something that we just are automatically gifted with um yeah, so I think that that realization that I had gotten to a place where I felt really comfortable moving my body, whether that's you know out of the club on a dance floor just dancing around to hip hop, or whether it's actually in my studio in the air or on the ground through animal flow or whatever other movement I'm trying, reaching a point of no longer feeling self conscious about the way I move has just been a really incredible experience. And I found that to just be powerful in life. I, I noticed this switch um, when I can get to that place uh, with whatever medium it is I'm working with. And I, and I get that confidence where I don't feel self-conscious about 
anybody else watching me, just because I'm so locked into the feeling and the experience of it, it actually will change the dynamics going on on all other ends of my life. Like I, I just notice my interactions socially with people change. Uh, my dynamics with relationships change. My my sense of security within myself, just like doing other stuff, completely shifts. Uh, and I'm curious if if that if you've noticed anything similar or any other changes that come to fruition as a result of that body confidence and movement confidence. Yeah, definitely. I think you know that, that confidence is such a broad term, but it it's it encompasses so many different things in such a really great way. Um, you know, confidence in terms of physical appearance, like that's, you know, that's something that all, all people, but in, in, in large part, all young women really struggle with, you know, to, to various extents. And I think learning to feel confident in the way that your body moves and for the strength that it has and for what it can do is a really empowering experience. And that's something that I've, I've, personally experienced, but I've also seen it in the coaches in our team at Integral and I see it in in the women, you know, that come to our studio and train with us. And and that's I think really just so compelling is that you start seeing seeing the vessel that you have, to use a word that Mike Fitch Animal Flow Creator uses vessel, mm-hmm. but to see the vessel that you have as this as this opportunity for strength and expression and not necessarily for how it looks, it really does change the way that you interact with your body. And then I think, you know, just in terms of, I don't know, confidence in life. Like if you can throw yourself around on a dance floor or you can get up in the air on an aerial silk or a lira and do weird stuff and be okay with possibly failing at it, that's, that's something that, that carries over into other areas of life as well. Um, so I think confidence can be in the way you look, in the way you move, in the way that you approach life, in the way that you see failure in inverted commas as, you know, just another dark teacher, just another tool for growth. Then once you kind of, yeah, I don't know, once you, once you apply that lens of confidence over everything, you realize that actually we don't have to worry so much about about how we look or how we appear to the people. We can just go out there and, and face the world as, as ourselves and and be comfortable in knowledge that that's completely okay. Yeah, it's it's almost like the way you describe confidence is a word I would um, interchange with a sense of just authenticity, right? That comfort of, of being exactly who you want to be or, or how you want to express yourself and how you want to show up and interact and engage with the world at any moment and to never feel the need to filter that. Uh, but I love that you stretch out confidence to be this big term that's overreaching into so many different arms, similarly to how I see movement, <laughs> uh, where it just it's such a beautifully broad term that encompasses so much. Um, it, it holds so much space for so much thought and uh, expansion. Totally, and I, I think also, you know, I've gained, I've gained so much of that confidence through the animal flow community. Mm. You know, I think about people like you and Rachel Thompson in the UK, and I watch the way that you guys move, and that has just watching the way that you throw yourself into every movement with complete and utter passion and abandon and I don't know it's like you're just you're so in the moment and so connected to what's happening in yourself that it doesn't matter what's going on around you and I feel like that's also another another expansion of the world of the word confidence is just you know bringing your fully most passionate self to everything that you do and I really you know I thank I I thank people like you and Rachel for for opening my eyes and showing me that that that's a possibility through movement as well. Mm. Oh, that's so nice to hear. <laughs> I I know it doesn't always feel that way for me. In fact, I today at some point I was watching through like older videos of me doing animal flow and I was like, gosh, like I've grown so much. And I remember like three years ago having gone through my level two certification and feeling like, oh, I'm like, I'm like one of the more advanced blowers. And like, not that that's what it's about, but you know, that was where my confidence came from then. And now I, I think my engagement with it is is so much deeper in the feel of it and the experience and the expression of these movements as they move me and flow through me. 
And uh, I can see there's a massive difference in what that looks like. And I think when, when you're mentioning that that wild, passionate abandon, um, I personally feel that's only something I've really been able to connect to in uh, in a, a powerful way recently. Why? What's what's happened or what's changed for you? Um, well, I, I started uh, my own movement practice uh, of just moving freely in whatever way I wanted every week uh, for two hours without any structure or plan in place. And this was me getting back to my roots uh, with dance, with having loved improvisation so much, but then taking it out of the box of dance and encapsulating everything I wanted to explore. Um, so sometimes I would practice animal flow. Sometimes I would play around in uh, shapeshift animal flow with like rolling patterns on the ground from modern dance. Some days I would literally just run around the space side to side because it felt fun. And <laughs> that, that total permission to allow myself to do whatever it was I felt like doing just because the spark of curiosity came up and, you know, and to challenge myself to go to those places when maybe my judgment would come up and be like, well, this looks stupid. Like, like this looks this like, this isn't pretty movement. Why would you ever share this? And then and I realized, but I'm alone. Like, why do I care? Like what it looks like, but it was so interesting to debunk that for myself because there's, there was something about having been a performer and an elite mover in so many different spe- spheres where on some level, I was still holding myself back a lot from the feeling experience of movement. Like there, there was still so much further to go. And it's, again, it's that journey of mastery. I, I still f- feel like I've just started scratching the surface on something even bigger that I haven't even begun to experience yet when it comes to my relationship with movement and my body. And touching on that kind of experimental or ex- exploration approach, like I just, I think there's so much power there and it's really cool to hear what your process is because I've been taking a lot of notice of or paying attention to and, and, and seeing what's happening in the movement world across, you know, that runs the gamut across the spectrum. I'm loving, you know, people like Tom Wexler with Movement Archery, but then Marlo Fiskin, who's this beautiful, you know, pole dancer who has this incredible floor flow kind of, you know, flow, flow movement, ground-based program. And, and then looking at the world of uh, contact improvisation and, and just seeing how in order to, in order to be successful there, and what I mean by successful is just like in order to find new things that feel good or, or different ways to move our body that are outside of just that, you know, the, the, the typical kind of four walls of what movement has been, you have to get a little bit silly. Like you have to play and you have to leave your, you know, leave that feeling of, of um, I don't know, self-consciousness at the door and just go for it. And that, I think that's really powerful is to do it, to experience it, but then also to share it and encourage people to join you. Because I think if they see you being silly and they see you rolling around like a weirdo, then it gives other people permission to do the exact same thing. And that's ultimately another way that we're going to help to introduce that feeling of intuitiveness and awareness around how we move our bodies and just exactly what we're capable of. That's like the biggest focus I have in the classes I teach here in the city. I Anytime I step into space with like a group of people, like the one objective is to get to that, allow yourself to get to that place of like wild, crazy, ridiculous, uh, silly, you know, I like the whole focus of my classes is always getting people to that point where they just let go and they let it be whatever it is. And I ham it up so hard. I, I like will take things to like absolute extremes to demonstrate my point and like I yell the whole time to like lift the energy and to like make it clear that this isn't a space to like be perfect or to, or to be trying to fit in any mold. And it's, it's so incredible when you watch people finally let go of that last little bit of resistance and they just stop caring and it doesn't matter what the shapes or the positions look like. There's, there's something that this like un unknown hidden beauty that bursts forth that you it's so impossible to explain but I always ask everybody to pay attention to the difference when you watch people shed that uh resistance or that fear and they just let themselves go and be and move in whatever way 
they want, how suddenly it becomes hypnotic and it's, it's just thrilling and you can't stop watching because we are watching somebody just be themselves and there's nothing more beautiful or magnetic or exciting to witness than somebody stepping into the fullest potential of their authenticity and self-expression. You're so right. It's just, it's charismatic and sexy and attractive and all of those things all at once. And it's, I think it's also really contagious. And I don't know, I I went to a, a conscious rave a couple of months ago and it was the first one I'd ever been to. So for anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's essentially just like a sober dance party where uh, you know, everyone's drinking cacao and saying namaste. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds <laughs> um, no, but it's it's an opportunity for people to just move their body however they want. And it was so cool to be in one of those environments, like to be in a dance party environment where everyone genuinely did not care what anyone else around them was thinking or what they were doing. They, everyone was just moving their body in whatever way felt good to them and for some people that's doing you know capoeira style movements over the ground for others they're doing some cool partner dancing for other people again they're just completely in their zone like you know step tapping for an hour and a half solid but I think that's that's what we need to try to do as well is create more safe spaces like what you're doing in your classes like going to conscious raves like what we're doing at integral it's just it's opening the door to hold a safe environment for people to move their body in whatever way feels like it's intuitively right for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's so true. And I think I think in order for us to be able to really understand something like structure and form, like you need to have that space of creativity and, and chaos as well. I, I find it so, I, I like to think of them as just polarities, like light or dark or hot or cold. They, they are really so deeply connected and, um, it's it's been interesting to me to like observe how little space there is that feels safe that also encourages that creativity and that expression in that way and and so I'm I'm particularly uh, overzealous in seeking all those opportunities out so that I can take full advantage of them. That's so cool, and I think if we can, you know, from an industry perspective. And I use the term industry to encompass anyone that's teaching anything that involves physical expression or physical movement, whether that's, you know, in a, in a more traditional fitness industry sense or right through the dance classes or free movement classes. You know, it, it's our, it, if we want to really have impact, if we want to actually help people gain from our classes and our workshops, you know, some, some, something that will actually change their lives then it's our complete responsibility to, to do what it takes to create the environment that lets them have some pretty life-changing experiences in there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could, I could talk about this for hours. This is like so exciting. To me. Um, but I, I actually do want to get to some of these questions I have listed. Um, and so I'd like to know, Alicia, if you, well, if there is a way that you could define movement um, or what your personal definition would be, uh, what would that look like? Yeah, I was really thinking about this quite a while after you sent those questions through to me. And, and I mean, I just, I can't even put something that's, that is like a box around the term movement. For me, it literally is, it's anything that is not stagnant. It's anything that's not static. So any, anything, it could be that I'm, that I'm laying on the ground, you know, sweeping my arms and legs through a rolling pattern. It could be that I'm sprinting. It could be that I'm climbing up a, a bouldering wall. It could be that I'm in the air. It could be, it's literally just anything that I do with my body that, that brings sensation into my life. And that sensation doesn't always have to be positive, mm. though even in the negative sensation, there is positivity, you know, like a dark teacher. So for instance, if I'm doing, sometimes I'll go and do these, this uh, set of stairs near my house just so that I can feel absolute, complete, utter exhaustion. Mm. I love the feeling of breathing so heavy that, you know, I, can, I have to stop to try to catch my breath. I love the sensation of, of my muscles burning. I love the sensation of, you know, every cell in my body just being completely switched on. But then I also love, you know, swimming in water and just moving my arms back and forth. So I, I find it really hard to create a definition around it other than anything that creates sensation in my body 
where I am not static. And I don't really know if that's a very deep or metaphysical definition, but it's the best one that I've got. I actually, I'm like kind of blown away because to me that sounds very deep. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it does such a beautiful job of synthesizing the elements of movement that are like in some ways practically physical, like in the physical body, but then how that Im- like immediately interweaves into other things because like what you're describing about sensation, um, you know, like our life is made up of sensations and it's really interesting to watch how, uh, at least this was my experience growing up. I was led to believe there were some sensations that were considered good and then others that were considered bad. And so you move more towards these ones and you try to not experience the other ones. And something that I've been playing around with recently more and more as I've been, going back into forms of movement that I traditionally avoided because they offered too much discomfort. One of them is running. I I used to play around with running in college back when I was dealing with my body dysmorphia and like eating issues. And I was trying to like lose weight really fast. So that was the first time I started picking up running and I, I never really liked it. I never, I never enjoyed it. And this last year, uh, there have been a couple of times, like maybe four or five total in 12 months where I feel inspired to go for a run. I I went out for a run and, you know, I, I felt my my chest starting to like kind of get those pangs of cramping in, in kind of the diaphragm area. I felt my throat constricting a little. And so then I just embraced the fact that like, oh my gosh, like I can feel my lungs moving. Like that's an amazing thing. Or I can feel my feet pushing the ground underneath me. And it was amazing how suddenly those discomforts, which usually would have like made this a miserable run for me, melted away. It was as soon as I tapped into that sensation of being alive, like the the contrast of knowing that even an uncomfortable sensation is is a sensation telling you you're here and you're in you're in an experience and so to allow yourself to open up to that experience and fully embrace it for what it is which is like hey I'm alive in this body and look at what I'm doing right now uh it was wild and and I was so surprised because this was my first run in five months and I've been talking about this to everybody <laughs> because I've just so I was so incredulous, but I improved my time on the same distance, which is like, it was maybe um, three point something miles. So about five to six kilometers. And I went from a 40 minute run to a 32 minute run, having not run at all in the last five months. That is so cool. And like all just from a change of headspace, right? Yeah. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about movement. And, and maybe this expands on the definition a little bit, but movement can be both completely connected and completely disconnected. You can, you know, when you're doing exactly that, which is just you're thinking about the sensation of burning lungs or you're feeling, you know, your leg muscles on fire, like whatever that is, there's no moment where you're more present than when you can feel every single component of what's happening in your body. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, it can be this beautifully meditative experience where once you're finding, you know, maybe something that's not so high intensity or doesn't have such a high demand on your body, you can just find this place of complete and utter stillness inside your mind. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's the beautiful duality, right? Is, is, this quote comes to mind that one of my best friends and I were talking about the other day and it's that you are the sky and everything else is the weather and I don't know where that quote is from but it just it helps to remind us that the sensations we experience through movement whether that's when you're running or whether it's you know you're lifting something heavy but but you are the sky and all of those sensations that across your body and across your mind are just weather and they will pass and to learn to take the sensations in experience them observe them but then let them go that's like such a cool metaphor for what we need to be doing in life as well oh totally I love that I wrote that quote down and I'm gonna (laughs) reference it now uh so (laughs) with like all this lush and wonderful information movement provides and all this transformation what has been the greatest gift movement has given you? Freedom, without a doubt. You know, I love to travel. I love adventure. I love moving around and and seeing, you know, new countries and new cultures and new movement styles and new everything. But I think 
in amongst all of that, there's always a risk that you're running from something instead of running towards it. And I think that what movement has done is give me physical freedom, but it's also given me freedom from myself. You know, it's given me an opportunity to to throw off some of those confines of feeling really self-conscious in the way that I move my body or the way that I look or the way that I present myself or any of those things. Um, and it's it's really given me a vehicle for for channeling, processing, working through you know, hard times in my life. I, I, I always refer to being in the air as my aerial therapy. Mm. And, you know, I could be having the worst day or going through, you know, a really hard phase of my life, but I will always, always feel like a million dollars after I've been in the air. Um, so I think it really just has given me freedom from myself in so many different ways. I, I I agree. I feel like I've had the same experience with that, but I would love for you, uh, if you're willing to actually expand on a specific memory or experience around where movement helped you and kind of took you through one of these really, these harder times in your life. Yeah, for sure. I, I was married to a really fantastic, incredible man who I'm still so blessed to call, you know, an important friend of mine now. And we were together for 14 years and deciding to end that variation or that version of our relationship and, and move it into a friendship instead of, instead of one of husband and wife, you know, understandably going through that divorce process is, is incredibly hard. You have a, you lose a sense of your identity. You have all of this these, you know, future plans, hopes and dreams that you had imagined your life would hold all of a sudden come, you know, rushing to a complete and utter halt. And so for me, whenever I was feeling completely overwhelmed with the emotion of what, of, of what that process was about, I would just go, go to the air, like, or I'd run. But, you know, any of those opportunities, like those times when I'd be in the air and I would put on a really, you know, emotional song or maybe put on an intense song or whatever it might be and just just be completely in the air and feel whatever that emotion was. Again, like the sky and the weather, I would observe that that emotion or observe why I was feeling so stuck in suffering. And then just use use being in the air or use my animal flow practice or use going for a run and being out in nature as a way to just let that weather pass, let the storm pass. And and I'm just so grateful that I had that as an outlet and the mechanism for helping me process it. Yeah, I you know, I always felt that movement was a way I could channel that energy of emotion and let let it be expressed through the vessel so that it wasn't trapped and holding me back in some other ways and i i always tell people that movement was my lifeline like it is 100% the reason i'm still here today because i remember there were times where life did not feel livable like it did not i literally did not feel like i could continue to be on this planet um and so Anytime I felt that way, I just, like my only thing was movement and I went into it readily because my connection there was strong enough and I knew that th- there were resources there deep enough to help me and find strength reserves and find support that like, I couldn't find anywhere else. And so I relate to that very deeply, like going through uh, sadness or anger or you know despair, disappointment, whatever it is, fear, you know, I movement's always been there for me to guide me and support me through every one of those tough transitions. And and I love that that we get to create those environments to help other people find that too. You know, in our studio, I always say that the hour that someone spends with us in their day should be the best hour of their day. Like if they can walk out of the studio at the end of their class or private session with us and have a massive smile on the face, no matter how they were when they walked in the, in the door, then that's success to me. And, you know, gifting people the opportunity to find that they have the, they have the skills and the ability within themselves to change the way they feel just simply by moving their body. Like that's what a, what a brilliant thing that we get to do to be able to share that with people. It's really exciting. It is. It's, it's, I, I feel so lucky that I get to do this and that, you know, my life is 
revolving around the thing I'm the most excited about and obsessed with. And I get to geek out about it all the time and share my love of it with other people. It's really been such an incredible gift. Yeah. So true. Uh, yeah. I'm just like washing in all these like feelings of gratitude and emotion. <laughs> like my eyes are tearing up. <laughs> uh, that's, and that, you know, I don't know. That's like, it's what, it's what it's about. Like, I don't, I don't want to wake up every day and dread going to a job that I only tolerate. I don't want to wake up and see that I'm surrounded by people that, that, you know, I don't have the ability to elevate and who aren't elevating me. I don't want to spend my life, you know, in, in mediocrity. And I think that movement has just been such a powerful way to help um, find find ways to keep moving me forward in that journey toward getting better in my body and at the skills that I choose to focus on and and it just helps remind me of all of those all of those things that I want in my life on a daily basis. Well, I think because movement is if you're experiencing it, you're experiencing it through those sensations, right? You're experiencing it through the weather. It allows you to to get really clear on what makes you happy and then what doesn't, right? And I, I just see people who are really in touch with their bodies in general as people who move towards the things that light them up. Uh, and it's it's interesting for me to observe that when somebody doesn't have a stronger connection to their body, that they may be a little less focused or a little less clear on what it is they actually want versus doing something that they believe will make them happy. And this is my observation. It may not actually be true, but I've it's something I've been picking up on a little bit recently and just when you said that I was like well maybe that's it maybe it's all down to the sensation being that really key element that clicks us into what makes us unique individuals and helps us feed our fire and find our spark yeah definitely I think that there's also you know kind of coming back to the comment about everyone being being unique and everyone being individuals we, we are designed differently. You know, I'm a, I'm a complete mesomorph. So for me, I experience my world through the way that I physically interact, how I feel, what I can touch, how I can move my body as a learning process. But not everyone has, has that as their primary operating system, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. other people operate from the way that their brain is a complete and utter powerhouse of activity and it's constantly on and going and looking for perceived threat and looking for strategies and you know and I, I think really what if, if there's a way that we can identify how we operate at our best and learn to use that as as the gift that it is and learn to use it as the power that it is but also understand how it can sometimes hold us back and you know and no I just think if if, if that we can all become that that little bit more finely tuned about the way that we operate at our best then we have the choice to find the best strategy to get us through life, to get us through the hard times, to find the, the movement style that resonates with us and ultimately just to be happier, healthier people overall. Mm, I love that. That was beautiful. So Alicia, as we wrap things up here, uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on again. Uh, what would be any final thoughts or words of wisdom you would want to leave with the audience today? I don't really think I have words of wisdom as such. I just, I'm so, I'm so encouraging of people finding what lights them up and doing that thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that could, it could literally be anything. Like I, I think if we can move away from this concept of exercise or physical activity as a form of punishment for what we do or don't do in our lives on a day-to-day basis and just genuinely find the movement form that lights you up, then go do that thing. But then also remember that there is so much uh, to be gained from exploring outside of that as well. So, you know, if there's an opportunity to try something new and it might feel a little bit scary or out of what your typical wheelhouse would be, lean into that, like go and experience it, try the thing. It doesn't have to mean that you have to commit to doing it forever, but go try the thing. You know, if you've got a friend that's, that's into some kind of physical activity that you've never experienced, go with them. Not only will it help expand your movement literacy boundaries, but it's also going to, you know, create some great social connection as well. And I think if we can, can do more of that, create a community where people can have a safe space for free expression and physical creativity, 
where we can support each other to do whatever weird and wonderful things we can come up with that make us feel good in our lives through movement or through other things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then just, you know, listen to what our bodies are telling us because they do speak loudly. Success leaves clues. And when when you're doing, you know, when you're engaging in successful practices for your body, you will feel it, you will know it. So if we can kind of go in that direction where we're just doing what makes us feel our best and, you know, doing it with a supportive community around us, then not, I just see that nothing but good can come from that. Ah, oh, that's a great way to leave things off today. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks for having me. It's been so great to have a chat with you. Oh my gosh, this is, this is so much fun. So for our listeners who are listening to this and maybe some of them are in Australia or some of them are remote and just want to learn more about you, uh, how to get in touch with you, how to maybe like get into some of your studios or the different offerings you have, where are the best places that they can reach you? Yeah, no problem. So I'm probably most active on Instagram. Uh, so the studio Instagram is Integral Ariel, I-N-T-E-G-R-A-L, Ariel. Mm-hmm. I'm Lil underscore Lishi. Um, otherwise, our website, www.integralarielsilk.com. It's in a little bit of a shambles at the moment because we're working <laughs> on a new website, but you can still find us and see what we're up to. Uh, yeah, and we're in Sydney, Australia. So if anyone that's listening is there or is coming out to Australia, I would love to connect with you. Come and take a class. We can have a little movement jam. Um, and hopefully one day that means you as well, Maria. I was just about to, to say, I need to be out there. Like, time to start planning. <laughs> yes, do it. Come for a visit. We'll have so much fun. Awesome. Well, again, thanks so much for everything today, Leisha. This was so much, so much fun. Thanks for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on this thing called movement. I'm your host, Marie Janicek. And if you're interested in connecting with me directly, you can find me on Facebook under the name Marie Janicek and on Instagram at Marie Janicek. If you enjoyed this episode, Don't forget to leave us a review and make sure to share with your friends and family. In the meantime, I can't wait to connect with you all next week when we bring on our next guest. Until then, make sure to get out there and move.